0: salutations to all the nations. Welcome to the D.D. Fuego Show, hosted by the prettiest podcaster of all time, the ultimate optimist, the man who is dashing and has boyish charm, me, Darius D. And if you're new here, thinking to yourself, wondering, pondering, what does Fuego mean? Here is a fact of the matter. It means fire in Spanish. That's all it means. That's all it ever will mean. And... If you are a turning listener, thank you for stopping by once again. If you guys want to see the show prosper, here's what you can do. Make sure you leave a good five-star review for your boy, D.D., because he will deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate it. Trust me, I really do. And also, make sure if you share, you will care on whatever social media platform that you so choose to use. So make sure you guys do that. And subscribe so you are updated. So whether it be on Anchor, whether it be on Google Play Music or Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We're over on 10 different networks. So wherever you can listen to your podcast on, I should be out there and I should pop up there. So that counts for Pocket Cast or CastBox too. Doesn't matter which. Whatever you choose to use, just make sure you listen. Anyways, we're talking about... Booker T. Washington today because it is Black History Month still, and we're still going on with it. And, you know, I find it really important to talk about these people, these individuals that are known but aren't highlighted as much, right? We know Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks. We know these guys. And we know a little bit about Booker T. Washington. But not that much because a lot of the times when i was in elementary school i didn't really know a lot about black figures other than the major ones that we know today or yesterday um a lot of them that i do know that aren't common or spoke about a lot i found out either by reading or by relatives who would educate me One, primarily being my uncle, my grandfather, my dad. So actually, yeah, those three. So that is the fact of the matter for today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. But question of the day, what do you prefer? This has nothing to do with black history or anything. What would you rather watch, Disney or Nickelodeon? Okay, So those are the two major kid networks including Cartoon Network. So I just wanted to know, what would you prefer Nickelodeon or Disney? Now I know a lot of the people who are older than me uh, who grew up in the Disney era would say Disney because Nickelodeon wasn't a thing until the late 80s, early 90s. And it was mostly for the kids. So in general, I think the answer most people would give is Disney. In my personal opinion, I'm going to say if it's the movies, I'm going to say Disney. But if it's cartoons, I'm going to say Nickelodeon, okay? Because Nickelodeon just had better TV shows in regard to cartoons than Disney did. They were more impactful to my childhood and as well as people even younger than me or older than me. So that is the fact of the matter, in my opinion. We're going to be talking about Booker T. Washington, so don't go anywhere. This is the D... D show. So we're talking about Booker T. Washington today and I admire him very much so because I look at how these people were living and how they're able to persevere and it gives encouragement to me and I hope it gives encouragement to you that no matter what happens, whatever comes your way, you should persevere through. Now, Booker T. Washington was born in 1856, which means, if you guys know your history, that he was born into slavery in the state of Virginia. And he put himself through school and became a teacher after the Civil War. So at that time, putting yourself through school was very difficult because a lot of Black people down South didn't have the funds. And... It was very hard to do so so he actually took a job as a janitor and he had to walk to school 500 miles so and put that in perspective okay 500 miles he had to walk and a lot of us <laughs> complain about taking the bus now for the canadian listeners that is approximately 804 kilometers so imagine walking to school every day that far for education while struggling to pay the tuition anyways so he was he got a job as a janitor to help pay his tuition then general samuel c armstrong which was the founder of the school and that school is uh i believe it's hampton normal and agricultural institute so He ended up seeing how hard he was working and ended up offering him a scholarship, which was sponsored by a white person, which is a first. So he saw that, gave him a scholarship, and then he was a lot better off than before. Which is interesting to me. So Armstrong actually gave, after he gave him the scholarship, he became his mentor. And they started strengthening his values and then giving him a moral character and hard work. Now, all of this is his biography. And he later graduated from Hampton in 1875 with probably top of his class, I would say. And then he was taught his old grade school in Melden, Virginia, and attended Wayland Seminary. Seminary in Washington, D.C. in ni- 1879. So he gave back to his community, which is uh, another thing I like to do that I want to do when I'm older. Uh, now, after that, a lot of people, the black people at the time, were becoming more entrepreneurial and wanting to create and make an economy for themselves. So then he... Actually, after paying, I think it's in 1881, he, the Alabama legislature approved a colored school, which we now call as a historically black college. And he named that school in Tuskegee Normal and Industrial Institute, which is currently known as Tuskegee University, which is, I think, top 20. Uh, historically black colleges in America. So it's cool to see that he started his own school so he can educate black people and learn how to do certain things. Teach each other, learn to teach black people how to think for themselves and all that certain things like that. So he held that, and it was a pretty prestigious college for black people at that time. So... The classes were held at an old church, and then he actually was promoting and raising money for it out in Washington, so he'd come back and forth. And a lot of white supremacists were opposed to that because they wanted, they didn't want the competition with schools, right? So the white supremacists wanted their schools to be the best, and then Black people were starting their own schools, like Booker T. Washington, so to speak, and they weren't too fond of that idea. So they, were didn't really like it, and it caused even further more tension. Now here is some books that he has written over his life: The Story of My Life and Work. And then he did that in 1900. And then he wrote Up from Slavery in 1901. The Story of the Negro: The Rise of a race from slavery, 1909. And I did mention that he was born into slavery and then became a freedman. man. So being that sense, he knows what he's talking about in that regard, so it's mostly experienced as well. Growing up in the South, uh, another book that he wrote in 1911, My Larger Education, and then The Farthest Man Down in 1912. So he wrote a plethora of books. I actually haven't read any of his books and I do plan to read one of his books in my lifetime. It's important to read certain things like that. Now, in regards to Tuskegee Institute, it was actually the leading school in the country. And at his death, actually, it had more than a hundred well-equipped buildings, 1500 students and a 20, no, 200 member faculty teaching Thirty-eight trades and professions, and nearly two million endowment. So you can see it started out of the church, and then now it's coming to fruition. His plans are coming to fruition. So you can see that, which is very important and the key part. Because when it comes to their trades, he was saying that black people should do trade work as well as go into more professional work in regard to like law or being a doctor, inventor, and all that stuff. So he said that both are equal and that they should have equal opportunity to shine. Which is true. And I believe agree with that too. I don't believe that everybody is meant to go to university and post-secondary. Some people are better at it than others, but doesn't mean that they are worth any less. And it doesn't mean that the people at university is worth any more. It just means that we all have different gifts that we should use. So I am really intrigued by that notion and what he taught a lot to black people in America, African Americans, was that that he needed, that black people in the community needed to have economic success and that Even though they were in subordination to white, but they should be able to have their own full economic and political rights as well. So he was fighting a cause through knowledge and understanding, which is crucial because you need to educate. He said that if African Americans would work hard and obtain financial independence and cultural advancements, they would eventually win acceptance and respect from the white community. Now, that is where the whole debate with W.E.B. Du Bois comes in. It's kind of – it's mostly, in my opinion – It looks like a precursor to what happened with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Where one person wanted them to be for themselves, which would be Malcolm X or W.E.B. Du Bois, and then the other ones wanted to integrate. And I can understand why some people didn't like that belief because... They, some people didn't want to integrate with white people because they felt like they don't want us in there anyway, so why would we need to? But I understand where he's coming from in that regards, but it's not, in my opinion, it's not about... I respect what he does, but I don't agree with that notion where you have to get acceptance by a race to validate yourself, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And he put his philosophy on race relations in a speech at Cotton States, an international exposition in Atlanta, Georgia, known as the Atlanta Compromise. He said this in his speech, which might not work with most people. He said that. African Americans should accept the disenfra- disenfranch- disenfranchisement, sorry guys, and social segregation as long as whites allow them economic progress, educational opportunity, and justice in the courts. Yeah, um, he was actually pretty close with Theodore Roosevelt at the time, so which was cool because. A lot of people like Teddy Roosevelt, so he was at the dinner for that, and he actually kind of shared his ideas with Teddy as well. And it showed that Roosevelt saw them as equals in 1901. So right now we see it as, okay, whatever. If a white president was supposed to invite a prominent black person to the White House. We look at it as, okay, yeah, but we're looking at it as it today. In 1901, that was a big deal. So it showed that even the president, the sitting president believed in equalities for black people. And a lot of people who were ignorant at that time and didn't want that sort of thing to be a reoccurring issue, they had some strong feelings and uproar against that, so he also I think Roosevelt's successor, William Howard Taft, I believe used Washington as an advisor on racial matters, so it shows that even after that that he still had a good relationship with the presidents and that the presidents would look to him for advice. I think that it were actually, yeah, Frederick Douglass was one of the people actually during slavery and then there for the abolition of slavery. And he worked closely with Abraham Lincoln. So it shows that you can make a difference in society, regardless of what color you're born at. Now, I mentioned the outlawry with what he said as they accept, being accepted by whites. Some people in the black community did not agree with that. So there was two main characters, Booker T. Washington being one of them and W.E.B. Du Bois being another one of them. So, and it usually started in the South. North and the South. Uh, so activists like W.D. Du Bois, who actually was a professor at Atlanta University, so he was born down there. I'm not going to go too in depth with him because I'm going to talk about him next week. But he believes, contrary to what Washington believes, that African Americans were suited to vocational training. So he didn't want them just to be tradesmen. And he criticized Washington for not demanding equality for African-Americans. That was granted by the 14th Amendment. And for those who are unaware of that, this is the first time that black people were actually considered or, yeah, black people were considered As humans, I would like to say, I know that's a heavy statement, but it was basically addresses that many aspects of citizenship and rights of citizens of all walks of life. So, and it was signed July 9th, 1868. So all persons born or naturalized in the United States, which includes former slaves and recently freed Slaves. So that was a big step in that regard. And mind you, they both grew up in that time period, obviously, because you were hearing them criticize one another. And the boys really did not agree with what Washington was doing. But at that time, Washington was the main national spokesperson for the African-Americans at that time and excluded from vote and political participation through black codes and Jim Crow laws. As rigid patterns of segregation and discrimination became institutionalized throughout the South, much of the country did. So... Du Bois really wanted black people to be political. And if if you go back to what I was mentioning before about Washington, he believed that black people should work hard, pull them up by the bootstraps, whether it be by trade, whether it be by profession. And eventually the white people will look at that and give you (laughs) acceptance and respect. So a lot of people did not agree with that even though that most of the Black people at that time didn't have the right to vote yet. So it's hard to say because the 14th Amendment, as I mentioned, it gave full equal rights to that. But at the same time, they didn't have political participation. So there was a contradiction. So that's what the boys was calling him out on. So we're going to take a quick intermission, and we're going to continue talking about Booker T. Washington. This is the DG Fuego Show, and we will return. Yo, we're still here, and we're talking about Booker T. Washington, right? So we know that Booker T. Washington is a big figure, big leader in the post-Reconstruction era, which is coming from slavery. And migrating, integrating into society, black people integrating society post slavery. So the boys, as I mentioned, was a heavy criticizer of his work, just like how Mar- Malcolm X was a criticizer of Martin Luther King Junior during their era, the civil rights era. But then he came later, Malcolm X came across later and I actually started adopting king's philosophy in regard to integration not about the nonviolent stuff but needless to say yeah they all have a common goal but the problem lied with the voice, he kind of saw him as a traitor which is harsh yeah it's kind of harsh because even you can see the pure intent with it comes to washington But at the end of the day, a lot of the Southern whites, and including some of the prominent members of Congress, actually saw Washington's successes as an affront and called for an action to put African-Americans in their place. So you can, based off the data that I provided you guys, you can see why someone would say that. And it's harsh because I admire him because of what he's done and his belief in hard work. Now, still talking about Booker T. Washington. Here we go. So, he was working. He worked a lot harder than most because he was still in bondage at the time. And he was a small boy and he would be toting a 100 pound sacks a day and he was actually beaten on occasion for not performing his duties and you can see his instillment of hard work in that now his first exposure in regard to education was outside of a school near his plantation so he would look inside and see the children reading books and all that stuff. And I, like I said at the time, it was illegal to teach slaves how to read and write. Now, Frederick Douglass, I'm going off topic. He was one of the first people to read, right? And he actually freed himself because he had the ability to read and write. His slave owner's wife was the one that taught him how to read and which thus freed himself because he wrote his freedom letter, which actually made him free and go up north and get education. So, at that time, I know it was tough for Booker T to see other kids learning how to read and write. And he's out here working. His fingers to the bone for pretty much free. And his family was very poor. So, that's why I admire him. Because he's born... In a time where he had no rights at all. If you guys really think about it, put it like this. Imagine right now, you can't read. And see how difficult your life would be. Think about it right now. We read all the time. We do all these things. Whether it be on social media, whether it be... Actually reading a physical copy of a book or a religious text or schoolwork. Imagine, sometimes we think it's a drag to read, but really think about it right now. Imagine you could not read. How difficult your life would be. And that's why I constantly push, and I did an episode about this, that we must learn to love how that the fact that we read you should be thankful for that number one we should read some more sometimes in the summer when school is done and i'm i because i read a lot but the thing is when it comes to school you're reading intensively so you're trying to retain as much information you can and break down the information as regard for reading reading for leisure you are gaining the information but it's less intensive so that's why in the summertime I pick up some books before school ends and I said I'm going to read this book through the summer or try to pick up to read at least two books in the summer. One would be more educational well, then one would another one would be for fun. Most of the books that I have right now are educational books but it doesn't matter just pick something and read it okay. Just be careful what you read though. Anyways going back saying that his family is poor I know that I'm At the part where he meets the president and all that stuff. So he he meets all the presidents, but I'm going to take you a a couple steps back to see how he got to his permanence. So his stepfather didn't go to school, but his mom noticed that his mom noticed that he had an interest in learning. So she actually purchased him a book. And he learned the alphabet and how to read and write basic words. And he was also still working at the time. So he got up at 4 a.m. and he would practice and study, which shows the dedication and why he was so successful. Successful. And then after being getting a job as a houseboy, the wife of a coal mine owner which would be Viola Ruffner and the coal owner is Louis Ruffner. She was very strict with her servants especially on the boys but she saw something special about Booker and understood that he was very mature and he has intelligence and integrity so she warmed up to him and over the years she worked he worked for her. And she understood his desire for education and allowed him to go to school for an hour a day during the winter months. So he didn't have to do those type of works. So he later died around 1915, I believe. But his influence lasted throughout generation. His school is still up and running. Like I said, his top 20 HGBUs in the nation of America. And it shows his prominence and his dedication to the craft. Yeah, you might not agree with everything he says, right? And it's tough because you look at Marcus Garvey when he talks about black nationalism. Some people are in favor of that. Some people are not because some people in Africa may not agree with what he was saying and some people do. Then you have people like Nelson Mandela. I'm not going to talk about him this month, maybe next year. Like I said, I try to focus on people that don't get as much credit as they deserve or aren't seen as much by the public. And then you have people like Malcolm X, I I mentioned last week or, Martin, they all have their different philosophies, but the end goal was the same. It's just to make the black people better as always. He actually died in Tuskegee, Alabama, where his school is. And we saw the success rate from a slave boy who couldn't read, who got beaten. And then he started working at a slave house, I think it was. Yeah. He got a job as a houseboy, and his mom would used to wake him up. He used to wake up himself, actually. His mom never woke him up. He used to wake up himself at 4 a.m. to practice and to study his craft, become a master of his own domain, to end up opening his own school and to go into the White House to be a racial advisor to the sitting presidents, breaking barriers as we know it. Now, the problem, like I said, some people might not like it, is because he was very complex, right? He, at one hand, he was supportive of Black people, African Americans, if you will, taking a backseat to whites and just working hard and being... Financially stable, stable whether it be through trade, as I mentioned several times throughout the podcast. And at the other times, he would be challenging the segregation. But all I have to say about Booker T. Washington is that he's an inspiration to me, and I hope he is to you. And the totality of his life is inspiring to become a boy, a slave boy into a man that was able to execute his dream for the future of his people at all costs. So next segment will be Wrap It Up, D.D., where I wrap up and I sum up the show for you. So stay tuned. Welcome to Wrap It Up, D.D., where I wrap up and I sum up the show for you, for thee, for thou. So let's get right into it. We talked about Booker T. Washington today, and we saw a young boy who was bond in slavery and oppressed, had no rights, could not read or write to be able to become one of the most affluent, successful educators, not in just the black community, but American history or history in general. His school is still active today, and I want to visit it to go see it. And I don't know for my master's if I'm going to be going down to the states because I know it's rather expensive, but it's just an idea. Either that, Morehouse, or Hampton. One of the threes. And it was really important. Now, I mentioned his mentor, Samuel C. Anderson, which is important because he actually took Booker T to that next level. And all, it needs, all you need in this life is just one mentor that can see the potential in you and push you to the next domain. From a kid who was a houseboy and his owner saw the maturity and let him go to school for a day because he saw he wanted to learn. And we need to bring back that crave for knowledge and education. And I'm talking about knowledge and education, not indoctrination. That's two different things. But it shows me the dedication that he had waking up 4 a.m. Before he had to go to work to teach himself how to read and write to a degree from the basic level. It doesn't matter. He's teaching himself. Like I said, remember or put yourself in the frame of mind where you can't read. You realize how limiting that is. If you think about it, if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who cannot read, it's a big deal. We take it lightly, but I urge you not to take it lightly. It's a serious matter. Walking 500 miles a day to go to school, for university, while you complain about your commute, which is a half an hour to an hour, by bus. So this is what I'm trying to say. It shows that... The only person who can stop you is yourself. This guy, this young man, was in slavery, had no rights, and then he died as one of the most, like I said, affluent educators and influential people in the black community and in American history due to the fact that he was one of the first people in the White House as well, other than... um. Frederick Douglass, that I mentioned, he was an advisor to a president, and he ate dinner with Theodore Roosevelt, who saw him as an equal, which actually shocked the foundations of America to its very core, because that was uncommon. So that's why I admire Booker T. Washington. I hope that you guys look at his life. Read some of those books. I think he has seven books. You can probably find that at your local library. Actually, I probably doubt that, but there's some excerpts that you could probably read of about him and his writings online so be thankful for the internet so you can find those things and you can probably find a place where you can get it actually i'm gonna do you guys a solid and see if his books are available on amazon and stuff hold on let's see if it's available And, yes, they are available. Okay, so you have The Negro Problem. It's available. I'm just searching all this stuff for you guys. Uh, Yeah, they have it. And it's actually not that expensive either. So you have Up From Slavery, which is probably his most pro- prominent book. And actually, uh, W.E. book the boys had a lot to say about that as well it's his autobiography about him coming from from slavery all the way to a free man to now and yeah they have pretty much all of his books and they're not that expensive so i recommend you guys pick that up i'm gonna try to see if i can read it um yeah i'm gonna see if i can read it either this year or next year so, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that episode. Make sure you share if you care. It shows DD that you care. Also, make sure you leave a good review on Apple because it does with the rating of the show. It makes the ratings better. Do you want the show to go better? Do you want to see the production quality go up? Do you want to see DD out here on the streets? I'm just kidding. But if you guys want to see the show prosper, make sure you guys leave a good review. make sure you leave a good comment as well. If you have any questions, queries, or concerns, or propositions about the show, make sure you DM me at DidiFuego15. That is at Fuego 15 And that's the bottom line. All right. It was a pleasure making this episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed yourself. Hopefully, you guys got a little one to laugh. There wasn't that much laughs these episodes, I would say. It was more... Uh, serious, because I, I want to highlight their life, not make jokes. <laughs> but yeah, being that said, thank you guys. I'm appreciative of all the support. So don't be lame. Ignite your flame. This is the dd Fuego Show, and it's your boy Darius D signing off once Again, so just chill, just chill, just chill till the next episode.